Hi, I'm Jocelyn Herman Saccio, and I'm about to have a productive conversation with Mike Vardy. Welcome to A Productive Conversation. It's me, Mike Vardy, and I am joined on this episode by the aforementioned Jocelyn Herman Saccio. Jocelyn is a transformative coach and course leader with more than 30 years of experience and as an author, CEO, community activist, and founder of a nonprofit and coach, she's worked with all kinds of people to empower them to live the life of their dreams now and be unmessable with. We get into a variety of things during this conversation, including how she helps people transform limiting beliefs and shift from a place of reaction to creation. We dig deep. It's really, really powerful and productive. So let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Jocelyn Herman Saccio. Enjoy. Jocelyn, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you here. It's, I'm back in the swing of things of doing podcast recordings. Um, as we're recording this, it's, uh, what, middle of May. Uh, just launched a campaign for my upcoming book, which you probably will hear about during the course of this conversation as an ad. But uh, it's great to have a conversation with somebody who is, frankly, unmessable with, right? So, <laughs> so let's, let, that's my world. <laughs> yeah. So let's lean into that a little bit is what was, so what was the impetus for you to, you know, kind of promote that, the idea of being unmessable with? Well, <laughs> way back when I got my first glimpse of what it looked like to be unmessable with when my mother this is when I was about 10 years old. My mother and father were separated and she was sort of like this victim of the situation. He was, you know, having some affairs, doing whatever. And she was just sort of at the effect of the whole thing. And then she did a transformative workshop and she came out of that thing like a new human being, like what I would call unmessable with. She was creating, she was like, in the driver's seat of her life. And I remember my father said to her, we were living in California at the time and we're, I'm from New York. Mm -hmm. My mother said, I'm gonna take the kids back to New York. And he said, no, you're not, not unless you get a job and you get a, an apartment in the PS6 district, which is a public school in New York that's you know really good. And that you have a rent for under $600 a month. This is not how long ago this was. And, um, <laughs> and she was like, okay, take the kids for two weeks and I'll see you in two weeks. And he's like, there's no way you're gonna be able to do it. And she came back in two weeks having accomplished all of those things and I was like who is this woman and we uh, moved back to New York then my father did the transformative workshop and they got back together wow and they just celebrated 65 years together they're 90 and 92 so to me that was sort of like whatever that is I want that I want to be able to create and not have to be in the world of reaction. At that time, I didn't have that language, but mm -hmm. so fast forward, you know, I was about, I don't know, in my early twenties and I was in a transformative workshop and I had this limiting belief that you can't do your art as your career. And I always wanted to be a singer, but I thought, you know, I don't want to be a starving artist. So I'll, I'll just do it on the side. And I saw in that workshop, what if that's not true? What if I just made that up? Mm -hmm. And it seemed really real because there's a lot of people that would agree with you, you know, but it got loosened. It was malleable. And within three weeks, I had a record deal. Wow. And that record went number one. So that's when back in my early 20s, I was like, okay, that's it. My whole life is going to be about empowering people to fulfill their dreams and developing them to be unmessable with no matter what circumstance life throws at them. And that was my sort of journey. So looking back at some of the, the stuff that you've shared on your website that, you know, the about 
how you came to what you're doing now, you spent you've you spent time in the creative industry, which I have as Definitely. well. Um, which is not necessarily the safest space for an ego to try <laughs> where, where you get messabled with quite a bit. Well, if you, if you want to test your muscles, yeah. that's a good place to be. So, know? so how do you, cause you're still, you're still in, you've got your toes still in that arena, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So how do yeah. you help those that, cause I mean, I, I, you know, again, I still come across, you know, we actually have a, um, we'll link back to this episode with Ian Reed Kessler because uh, he, you know, he's been successful on television and, and and so on and so forth. But it's it's a challenge. So how do you keep? How do you help those that are in that arena not, you know, feel hmm, not get too down on themselves, not get you know beat because because you're right. Like a lot of people don't assume that they can make a living doing their art, being creative, and and having that. Um, fulfill them, not just in terms of like, you know, their heart and soul, but actually put food on the table. Yeah. Well, back in the day when I was in my early twenties, that's when I started my company, which was designed to empower actors mm -hmm. and recording artists to, I'm a manager. I manage the careers of actors and not so much recording artists anymore, but in the beginning, sure. it was like a whole bunch of different people. So I thought, okay, if I can fulfill my dream, why can't everybody? Right. And I knew a lot of out of work actors. Those were my friends, you know, mm -hmm. so I, you know, started a company doing what I would have done for free. You know, I just was connecting them and creating and all that stuff. So I, I saw very early on in my career, because this is 30 years ago, that um, putting yourself in situations to be quote unquote rejected, which is what an actor does. They go to audition and it's a numbers game. How many auditions do you have? How many bookings do you have? How many callbacks? All that whole world is very much designed to have a lot of, no, you're not the one. Yeah. No, you're not the one. So you have to have a very powerful place to come from when you're in that business. Now, what I learned later, and I'll circle back to what you're asking about the right. actors, but what I learned later is that's really not unique to that business. Yeah. It really is any kind of human being. And when I started leading transformative work workshops back in my early 20s for just people, not just actors, it was like, oh, this is just being human. This has nothing to do with, oh, I'm an actor. It's just being human mm -hmm. is to be reactivated about 99% of everything that happens during the day. So my mission is really to move people from that world of reaction to the world of creation. And what I do with people is I have them get really clear on their vision or what I call their dream source, which, mm -hmm. you know, is kind of in my TED talk. If anybody wanted to watch that, it gives them a method to discover it. But like an actor, I would coach them. I'd say, okay, what do you want to leave people with? Like, what do you really want? And it isn't an Academy Award and it isn't booking a guest star on Law and Order or whatever it is, because even if you reach that goal, there's going to be the next carrot and the next carrot, you know, because I work with people who they, they make it to Broadway and then they're like, yeah, but if only I could be on TV, then they make it to TV and they go, yeah, but if only I could be a ser series regular. So it's always the next carrot. The, the pursuit of the next thing as opposed to living in the thing that you've already gotten. Or, and even not even living in the thing, coming from a place that no matter what thing you're doing, you can bring that space to whatever you're doing, whether right. you're at Starbucks or on TV or on your podcast, right? So I train people and develop people in discovering what they really want. Like, what is their vision? What is the source of their dreams? Not the goal. 
which has an end date. Mm -hmm. But like, what do they really want? Oh, well, I want to win an Academy Award. Okay, well, what if you won that? Then what would be available? Well, freedom. Okay, freedom, that's a different conversation. Freedom, you can bring to your dry cleaner. Freedom, you can bring to driving in traffic. Freedom, you can bring to your marriage. You don't have to wait for a goal to be met to get it. So that's what I mean by fulfilling your dreams now versus someday is being able to come from the space that you're trying to get to. Yeah. And what's, you know, as you're talking about this, I I can't help but think about the, the, the paralysis that people face when they think about those bigger, when, when people hear the term vision or mission or calling, they're like, ugh, I don't have time for that. Which is, and I mean, I, I, I hear that it's, it's, it, it reminded me of when I was listening to um, McConaughey's book, Green Lights, right? Mm-hmm. The idea of, you know, him, just some of the stuff he was talking about. And I know there's been some other stuff since that book came out that has definitely <laughs> steered him. Maybe I've, I've lost a little bit of that, you know, kind of like, oh, that was really great to now like, well, you know, what does that feel like now? But how do you, how do you convince or lead someone to be ready to Think in terms of vision, like, like, again, that idea of, of uh, the dream, the idea of, of the process as opposed to the outcome, because we're so driven, we're so driven by the, like the checkbox, like, you know, we checked it off. Right. So how do you help somebody with that? Because I think that the dangling of the carrot is so much more enticing than the, you know, the idea of, again, being in that space, like coming from that space, like you're talking about. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now, you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com slash productive convo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. 
It's not just about selling products. So Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Yeah. Well, first of all, you got to approach it like a muscle. So you have an overworked muscle called get stuff done. You know, check the boxes. I mean, that's how it is to be a most human beings by default are get stuff done machines. Right. So Mm -hmm. they're good at reacting. In fact, very successful people, which is most of my one-on-one coaching clients are, you know, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, they're people who are really good at getting stuff done. But that's very different than creating. Creating is a different muscle. And mostly people's muscle to create is a bit atrophied, quite honestly. Even if you're in a creative field, it's not about that because... You know, if you if you think back, I mean, you can probably relate to this even just with your podcast, right? When you were first creating your podcast, it was exciting. You didn't know what you were doing. You were kind of just creating whatever. Your even your mistakes were enlivening. Yeah. But at some point, and this is true about any business, any relationship, whatever it is that you created, at some point that creation shifts over to the world of management. So now you got to manage it. You got to book guests. You got to schedule things. You got to advertise it, you know, whatever. Now you're managing the creation. So creation is more like an up and out space. You know, you're sort of like looking up vision, creation, Mm -hmm. dream, calling, whatever you want to raise on debt, whatever you want to call it. Right. So you're looking up and out. You're kind of not knowing what's happening. Management is survival. It's now you've got to manage what you, and there's no manage magic in management. So it becomes a drag quite honestly, and it sucks your space. That's where burnout comes from. That's where overwhelm comes from. So I, this is what I do with people. I literally work with them to dismantle what's in the way, what's the lid that's keeping them in that world of reaction or management or or survival and shift them over to that world of creation and re-exercise, reignite that muscle of creation. And it does take something because it's not a panacea. It's not a magic pill. You have to have discipline to do that. You know, Mm -hmm. your neuronal pathways are already grooved in to go to the world of management and create and reaction. So it's easier to go there by default. Yep. Creation is like a road that doesn't have a pave. You know, you've got to pave that road and get the branches out of the way, and it takes something. You got to make the road. It's right. What's that quote by Emerson? It, don't go where others lead, instead, blaze a trail or something like that. It, it, it's interesting because as you talk about this, um, one of the things that keeps people in that management mode is the safety of it. Yeah. But it's well, it's, it's, it's a not really safe. No, no, no. It's but you know what I mean? Like, like it's perception yes, I of do. safety. It's totally that. Well, it's brain safety because yeah. yep. your brain is its job is to survive yep. and predict the future based on the past. So there you go. There you go. Well, the other thing mind. which alludes to there, there's a couple things we're going to tie in here. Interestingly, to yeah, the yeah. campaign I was talking about. Well, number one, um, we'll start here is writing a book. Number one, hard. Number two, yes. when you're writing a book, that's essentially 
got a lot of how-to elements in it, you're really drawing a line in the sand. Like you kind of, you're saying that, and then finally, so you have to get over things like imposter syndrome, um, cast your ego aside. Cause once it's interesting and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as a creative and as a creator, which I think people get stuck with. I know I have, once you've created it, it's essentially no longer yours. Does that make sense? Like, because you totally. can't control. I mean, unless like, you're keeping it in a box. Yeah, in yeah, your yeah. Room like, or you're putting it out in the yeah. world. You're yeah. going to have people. It's going to be judged. It's going to be transformed. It's going to be judged and transformed. And you have to be okay with that. And that is, I think, partly what's key, what can keep people in this. Well, let me check off these boxes of management because they're safe. They're secure. They're certain. So I can thrive off of that. Seemingly, seemingly. Well, yeah. and that's just it. It's all these illusions. So how do you, how does somebody who is caught in these illusions, where, give me an example of when you've had somebody that you've worked with and they, they had that aha moment where the, you know, the, the haze kind of went away and they're like, oh, I see so much more clearly now. And they've been able to escape that trap. Oh, my God. There's just so many. I'm trying to even, you know, think of one. I mean, I was just on a call coaching somebody and uh, their father is dying right now and has ALS and is, you know, sort of on the tail end of it and had a conversation with him yesterday about wanting to pass. And he is really complete in his relationship with his dad. Like there's nothing left unsaid. There's not like any regrets. It's not like, oh, if only I had said. So he's got a lot of power to be able to create with his dad and actually be there for him versus be there with his stuff about it. You know, when somebody's passing and you're all like messed up about it, it's not, you're not very available Mm -hmm. for the person, right? So he has the experience of being complete. Now, conversely, there are areas of life where doesn't have that experience, right? And it bothers him because he wants to be complete. And what we distinguish is there's a difference between feeling complete and being complete. Mm-hmm. And feeling complete is all in the world of reaction. It's like, oh, I don't feel like I did the right thing. I should have done something different. It's all like shoulda, woulda, coulda. Yeah. Being complete is completely a creation. You create being complete. Now, this gets kind of jargony, so I don't know if this is really quite what you want in the answering of your question, but I I told him, you're missing a distinction. You're missing a tool. Mm -hmm. You have to create being complete about being incomplete about certain things because there are going to be things that are incomplete, and if you can't create being complete... At the end of the day, like that thing didn't get done and that conversation didn't happen. And okay, I'm not going to regret. I don't regret it. I don't, you know, I'm not ashamed of it. It is what it is. And now this is now what's next and create what's next, whether it's putting in your calendar for another day like that. And it was like. It's, it's funny. I'm looking at my phone right now and I'm not looking at a message. I'm looking at the I have a, a wallpaper with the castle in Sintra that I would, my wife and I were in Portugal. I was speaking. At I a was conference. there last year. Yeah. yeah we went Sintra's there. It's beautiful. Yeah. So I have this photo that I took and it's from a, a quote from a friend of mine, Ernie, who I'm in a, a mastermind group with. And he, it's uh, from, um, uh, Jiddu Chris, Chris Namurdi. I'm going to butcher the name, but I don't, yeah, right. <laughs> I don't mind what happens is the quote. And mm. I'm like, there is something freeing about that. And it's got a double meaning, I think too. It's not like, I don't, it's not, I don't care what happens. It's right. not, I'm going to give it more power than it should have, but also 
minding also has this double meaning of like tending, right? Like, you know, that, and I think that we get caught up in minding things that either we shouldn't be minding or that won't won't change whether we mind them or not. Exactly. It's kind of like, okay, well, how's that going for you? You know, stressing out about something. Most things that people are messable with about aren't even happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're like literally not even real. So it's kind of like when you get somebody very powerfully related to realities, okay, but what actually happened? You know, what did they say? Mm -hmm. You know, what did that person say? Well, but they didn't return my call. I go, no, that's not what happened. That's what didn't happen. Yeah. So what yep. actually happened? Well, they're ignoring me. I was like, that's not a real thing. Yep. It's, let's talk about story. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, because we, story is powerful in both the best way possible. Good, bad, and ugly. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, so one of the things I talk about is, and this is why we were talking before we hit record, like why we're so aligned is this idea of, you know, the calendar has a role, the to-do list has a role, but the journal to me has a role. It tells the story. I think, I wonder, first off, do you journal? Do you keep a journal at all? I don't. Okay. Um, now, what, my what newsletters you, are almost like my journal. Right. I, I well, have something, I go, okay, let me create something and give it to people. But that's interesting because, so uh, I was just t- talking about this the other day with my kids because I was up till three, I'm a night owl. I was up, really late. I just finished watching the movie burnt with Bradley Cooper, which I've, which I, yeah, I I was trying to get through a few times and I needed like uninterrupted time. And I started writing this essay that I've, I'm kind of working through called a better version of me, not the best Mm -hmm. version of me, but a better version because I think it's an ongoing process. So there's a lot to unpack there. But what's interesting is to your point about writing is I keep a journal but I also, some of the stuff I send out is definitely mm-hmm. the form of story, right? Like yeah. watching the Phil Knight quote from the movie Air where, you know, they decided to go with Jordan and the one character said, what made you come to that decision? He goes, I went for a run. I'm like, you know, 1985, you can't go for a run necessarily. You probably could have a Walkman on, but he was running with like just lit, like no podcast in your ear, like by the yes. way, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're on a run or a walk, I wouldn't mind if you turned it off just to not have anything but the thoughts that are in just your head. Just to be. Right. Just to be. We don't even be anymore. It's crazy. So so to back to the story piece, how do you keep people from telling stories or help people, not keep, but help them from having the wrong story such as they didn't call or they didn't do this or from getting in the way or in your terms from messing with them too much? Well, first you got to see it, right? So one of the things when I first start working with people, the first thing I I try and get clear about is, okay, what is your vision? What do you want? Mm -hmm. What do you want in that relationship? What do you want for your family? What do you want for your career? Whatever area of life we're working on, right? So I have at least a North Star and I know what we're out to create, right? Then what becomes super clear is what messes with people because if I say, okay, what actions do you need to take to fulfill on what you want? It'll be so clear what stops them from taking those actions is what messes with them. So it could be some story that they have about themselves or about people. Oh, people won't understand or it's not you can't do your art as your career, which was what was stopping me mm-hmm. or whatever limiting beliefs or realities that are not necessarily real. But people function as if they are real. It kind of reminds me of this um I don't know if you've ever heard that flea story about how do you train fleas? No. I might okay, have heard well, it, but it's escaping me now. 
I'll make it as brief as I can, but fleas, how they wor work is they jump, right? Mm -hmm. That's how they move. Right. And they're very, very powerful. Like they can jump super high for their body mass. Like mm -hmm. if you were to jump as high as a flea, it would be the top of the Empire State Building. That's how, how high compared to how big they are, they can jump. So how you train them, first you got to catch them, which is not easy because they jump. Mm -hmm. And you take a jar and you poke holes in the top of the jar because you don't want to kill them. You just want to train them and you put them in the jar. Now they jump and they can jump so much higher higher than the lid that they hit their head on the lid because there's a lid there. Right. So they hit their head maybe a couple times. They're super smart. They're never going to jump that high again. Mm -hmm. So from that moment on, you can take off the lid and they will never jump out of the jar because for them, there's still a lid there, right. even though in reality, there isn't a lid. So most people function as if there's the, they're the flea. People are fleas. Yep. They think whatever happened to them when they were five is still happening. And it's a lid on what's possible in their life. So the minute you can distinguish what is the story that's holding you back. Now let's look at that. Is that the truth or is that a possible view or a possible interpretation or a possible scenario or, you know, dialogue that you have about that thing or that person or that situation or yourself? Mm -hmm. The minute they can see it and it becomes malleable, space opens up for something else to show up. Right. New actions. That's what happened for me with the record deal. You know, it wasn't like, it wasn't mysterious. It was in that moment I saw this is not the truth. Oh my God, there's no lid. So now what? What can I do? Oh, I guess I should get a demo because yeah. if I'm going to be a singer, I'm, I better have a demo. And then I started introducing myself to people as a singer, which I had never done before because I thought it was like I'm a loser. You know, it, it's, like, it, it's it's interesting because as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about the glass half full, glass half empty, and this is actually a better metaphor because mm. there's no lid. Like there's it's open above it, right? Yeah. Like you're no you're no longer worried about the glass. You're no longer, the yeah, glass that's is right. not, what glass, what glass, you know? right? <laughs> yeah, so, like so let's say, I want to unpack this a little bit more sure. because you're obviously, as you're working with somebody, you're going to come across some stuff that's heavier than, sure. than other instances. Cause there's probably a, a plethora of things that are messing with people, some more than others. Uh, so how do you, do you, do you find that you have to almost scratch an itch, like a smaller itch first before they're ready to jump into the, or do you tend to go after the big, the big one? Or is it depends there, on it the person? Okay. It, it just depends on the person. I mean, I have, I've worked with a couple hundred thousand people over the last 30 years and mm -hmm. coaching people. Right. And when I used to lead programs for Landmark Worldwide, you know, we had a lot of people that dealt with, you know, pretty heavy stuff. And sure. also in my nonprofit, I dealt with people who had been trafficked and, and traffickers. I mean, I've, I've dealt with like from the lightest things, like he won't call me back to, you know, watching your whole family be shot in front of you, you know, stuff that's heavy stuff. Right. right. And regardless of whatever happened, and there's some stuff that happened that you would never wish upon anyone, right? Like mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. It's never what happened that's messing with you right now, ever. Now, okay, what do you mean by that? It's what you made it mean. Right. So even if, and I, I have many 
thousands of times dealt with people who had been raped or, you know, dealt with those kind of abuses when they were small or even recent. It's never the rape that messes with them because it's not happening right now. Like the lid, that's not happening. What is happening right now is whatever you decided about yourself or you decided about people back when that happened. Like you can't trust people. That's a lid that's now currently still running you. That's the the trauma. That's that's the trauma, right? Yeah. Exactly. And that can get completed. It can, and I've seen it happen so many times, Mike, it's unbelievable when somebody gets free from that kind of story, as you said, mm-hmm. you know, I'll use your word. It, it's like they're a new person. It's like everything is different. Everything looks different without that lens of I'm not good enough. Or, you know, if you had a blue lens on and everything just kind of looked blue and then you took off those glasses and now you're going to see colors that never existed before. It's like that for people. So that's why transformation is so powerful and it's so instantaneous. It's not a long process like going through and processing things over time. No, it's an instant. You have a new view of life and you have a new view of yourself and you have a new view of people or you have a new view of your mother, you know, or whoever. And now you have a new mother. It's as we, as we get close to closing up this conversation, a lot of people might go, well, you know, and we call this podcast a productive conversation, not necessarily because it centers around productivity, but I'm a big believer that the things that can affect your ability to be productive are not things that you necessarily can put your finger on right away. And completely, I'm with you. And this comes back to the, you go to your website and it's the art, the, the art art so i want being unmessable so, with, they, yep. so let's center on that 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 term art which i mean again we could not not in terms of the creative sense but why is it an art why do you why do you call it the art as opposed to the science or the ability or what why there's definitely a science to it too sure. and actually you know a lot of when I work with neuroscientists, they give me such validity for everything I'm doing. I go, you know, that's because of the blah, blah, blahs. And I'm like, well, that's good. I'm not a neuroscientist, but thank you for validating what I'm talking about. It's an art because it's like something like mastery is a mountain with no top. Right. It's like that. It's like, there's so many nuances and I've been engaged in transformative work since I was 11. That's 45 years this year. Right. And I consider myself pretty masterful, you know, in terms of if you looked at takes 10,000 hours to master anything, I got more than 10,000 hours in this thing, but I'm not even halfway up the mountain, you know, so it's, it's a world. I could easily have called it the world of being unmessable with, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think there's a real creation to it. It's like, and that's what I love about art. It's like from nothing and it's a creation. Well, and also it's self-interpretive too, right? You know mm. what I mean? Like, like what one piece of art, whether it's a song or a, you know a, a film or a book, could be mean one thing to one person. It could be something different, and you know that's why you know I, I remember seeing people talk about the Marvel movies. Like I've been re- seeing like, oh, there's so many superhero movies. I'm like, yeah, but they all speak differently to me, and also. I'm quite happy that I live in a world where I could see these superhero films in real, like they're not cartoons anymore. Right. right, like, so, right. So when I was young, yeah, forget it. It was, it was like, forget it. We what, animated was, was the way it was, but the nuance I think is, and that's, yeah. it's such a hard thing to, 
to um, quantify nuance, right? Like, like, and I think that's where what what I appreciate about the work that you're doing and our conversation today is that you know, even when it comes to productivity, there's this imbalance between quantity and quality, right? Like it's like, get as much to the, we talked about the being versus the feeling. It's the same thing as the doing, right? Versus the being, right? Totally. In fact, the context, I do a whole calendar workshop, which you would probably love. Yeah, I saw, I, I see on your website, we'll link to it in the show notes for sure. It, it's it's all about, you got a bunch of to-dos. Okay, overwhelm sets in because you got too much to do. Mm-hmm. But why are you doing what you're doing? So I have people in their calendar put, okay, I'm going to the gym. Why? Mm-hmm. What are you creating yep. by going to the gym? And I have them literally put in their calendar, creating what vitality, yep. go to the gym. So that there is a creation rather than a doing. It's what am I going to be going to this? What am I creating as a context versus just content? Because your calendar can easily turn into a bunch of content. And people are really good at getting stuff done, very productive, aren't necessarily good at creating. Right. And that's the muscle I want people to develop. Well, I think the other tricky thing is that you try to manage a calendar. Well, as soon as you turn your calendar into management tool, you're back back to what we were talking about before. There's like a mundanity to it. There's all that. Whereas, I mean, that's why I don't like the term time management. I prefer like Mm -hmm. manage your relationship with time because that's the thing, right? As opposed to, because time won't be managed. Like time's moving on whether we want it to or not. Like speaking of which time has moved on to the point where we're now at the closing of our conversation. We had no control. Um, (laughs) Jocelyn, where can people keep up with you and the work that you're doing? They can go to my website and there's a bunch of ways to work with me from free stuff to other stuff, whatever, but it's the art of being unmessable with.com. Awesome. Thanks so much for taking the time today. Have a productive conversation with me. Thank you for having me. It's really fun. Thanks to Jocelyn for joining me on the program. You can find all of the show notes, which include key takeaways, relevant links, either on the podcast app you're using right now, which could be Spotify, it could be Apple Podcasts, it could be Overcast, or you can visit the website, productivityist.com slash podcast 484. And another thing you can do if you're listening to this on a podcast app is just subscribe to the show. That's one way to support the show. Again, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, We'd love to have you as a subscriber. It makes it easy to find shows that have already happened. Make sure that you don't miss a show that's to come. You become unmissable with, I guess, for lack of a better term. So hit that subscribe button, and that way you can support the show and make sure you don't miss a single episode. Another way to support the show is to check out our sponsors. Go to productivityist.com slash podcast sponsors to check out all of the sponsors that of this show and other sponsors, but the ones you heard specifically uh, during our conversation, they'll be there as well. That's it for now. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.